Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I am Santa Claus. <laughs> or or Axial. <laughs> and I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. Double digits, my dudes. We Woo! made it. We made it. Yay. The big ten. <laughs> Episode ten. That's a Roman numeral X right there. <laughs> ten episodes. Who'd have thought? I I had a feeling we probably will, would make it ten, if I admit, because I feel like there's no way we could not do all the dungeons. Especially when we're like two or three in, like mm-hmm. we have to get through all the dungeons. Like it would just not be right to stop before then, but it definitely feels good to hit hit a milestone like ten. It does, and uh, you know we're almost through with uh, 2018. We're recording this on January 15th, so we've uh, we've made it to the end of the year, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you just said January 15th, uh, December, uh, December. December. I mean, we're yes. recording from the future. Already Time ahead. Travel. <laughs> I mean, I did say I'm but, Santa yeah. Claus, and he's magical, so. <laughs> well, yeah, we do uh, uh, have Santa Claus here with us today. Very, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll have to be checking oh, in with oh, him oh, oh, oh. <laughs> on some of the uh, logistics of not just randomizer, but just how the whole you know Christmas Eve night thing works. It's, it's. I have so many questions, but I guess, I guess we can kind of get to those uh, later on in our question segment. For now, let's talk a little bit about this fall tournament. It's really in full swing now. We're in uh, the bracket rounds. We have officially made it through the group rounds. Um, so let's just take a look at this challenge here. And um, what do you guys think? Anything you know that kind of stands out to you? Any upsets? Anything that you expected? What, what do you guys see here? So I, I look right now and I see that Andy has already advanced. And Blaine is one and one against... Uh, Elminster RTA, Elminster RTA, I think. yes, yeah. Um, so if Blaine wins that third match, we're gonna have a Blaine Andy uh, round two, which uh, you know those Blaine and Andy, I wow. were in the semifinals, finals of the uh, the cash the summer tournament, the summer yeah, yeah the cash, cash summer one. tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's very early for a matchup, I think. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. one that stands out. Uh, I think. The, I have to say I haven't really been paying super close attention to everything that's been happening, but the one game that I've watched was uh, Act the Boker versus DT. And even though DT might not agree uh, and Act might not either, I think it was one of the most entertaining randomizer matches that I've watched in a long time. It was just... the fact that you're saying uh, the fact you're saying they might not agree. I'm guessing it was it was maybe kind of trolly towards them. It was an expert animizer seed. Uh, Ooh, I think wow. it might have been. St- it I think it was swordless. It was it definitely very, uh, very brutal, and <laughs> uh, not very enjoyable for either of them. Uh, I had like a required blind that had, you either had Somaria, which was the better choice of the two, or you had a hammer, and it was like mm-hmm. three hearts, maybe four at best. Oh jeez. Oh, and, yeah, uh, red cane blind is weird. It was, <laughs> weird to have to do. It was <laughs> it was a mean one, definitely. Do you remember what the time was? Like a whereabouts? Uh, it was a little bit over two hours. I think two hours ten, two hours fifteen, maybe. I'm just thinking about how long that would have taken me, and it's like <laughs> I'd still be fighting blind right now. Yeah, speaking of double digits, I think I'd be in the double digit hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this. 
I, I got to go back to this Andy versus Wayne early thing because that's really surprising to see two of the finalists from the last tournament go head to head so early on in these brackets. It's it's kind of a shame in, in a way, but man, that's going to be a definitely a match to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through too to see if there's any other potential, you know, notable early matches. Um, I mean, ACMLM and Pika Pals are playing in the first round. I think that's a that's a pretty you know power Mm -hmm. matchup right there Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree definitely some names you know a lot of these names and maybe this isn't quite fair but the way that i like recognize them is when i first got into randomizer it was really about a year ago maybe a little bit longer um the ones that were on youtube then when i kind of went on my binge and watched a bunch of matches you know i'd watch one sometimes even two a day, you know, put it on the background when I'm doing other things. And that those names are the ones where when I see them, I'm like, ooh, like that's a veteran. You know, like it's, uh, only a year is not a veteran usually in pretty much any other sense. But in something as new and fresh as Randomizer, being around a year is like, you know, you're a seasoned veteran. If you've been in tournaments that long, like that's someone to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, there's a couple... I mean, it's kind of hard to say because these people are obviously in the brackets for a reason. And, uh, I mean, even the first matchup, if you're looking at it right now, uh, Kyung versus Ned Taylor. Kyung, I think the only person to not lose a single game in the whole group stage. Yep, I uh, I cast one of Kyung's matches, and uh, yeah, that was, that was a, a very impressive group stage. And uh, there's just really a lot of great players, and it's hard to say who will make it to the end. Furame, Solsky, Ak, Andy already making it through the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's good stuff ahead. And I did want to just clarify one thing earlier. I alluded to an Andy and Wayne match. Elminster RTA, as of right now, is still one-to-one with Wayne. So I don't want to speak too early to that. I want to give Elminster their chance, especially since they've already taken a game off of Wayne. Yep. Um, Come on so up. That might not even happen, which is even crazier, really. I mean, I, I like Wayne. He's, he's a nice guy. But, you know, that, that would be, I think, a pretty big upset in the first round yeah. if, if Elminster would come and, and take that and then have a chance at Andy in the next round. Um, that would be that would be an even bigger upset if uh, yeah. Elminster made it to round three. So, you know, go upsets, but also go <laughs> yeah. Wayne, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Ta- have a game three tie so we can get a fourth one. <laughs> I, I I hope that you have an interesting and fun seed, and that the best person that makes the best decisions wins. How about that? Is that is that like that is you know pretty diplomatic? Enough? <laughs> pretty diplomatic. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. So. Uh, that's what I hope for all of these uh, lovely individuals as they make their way through the bracket rounds. And we will, of course, check back in as that progresses on. I want to pivot for a moment and go back to the Challenge Cup that we were talking about before. The one that I was in where I was admitting uh, tail between legs that I thought maybe it was a little too time consuming and I was going to have to forfeit. Um, well, I floated that to some of the people in my group during the last week when everyone was trying to schedule their matches, like frantically messaging back and forth, like, when are you available? When can you do this? When can you do that? And I ended up not actually forfeiting, but some other people in the group forfeited before I did. So I ended up taking wins from them. And well, long story short, I've made it through to the bracket round. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Awesome. Congratulations, Sam. I did four races. I won one of them. <laughs> and I'm in the bracket. I, I made it through to the next stage. So I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but 
um, I will kind of give you a recap. So I did my first race against Zelnus, who I believe is one of the administrators of this. Um, they had been on sort of a losing streak before they got to me, and then I gave them their first win. I don't even remember how that race went, to be honest with you. I just watched and play so much. Um, but they won. Uh, and then I did two in a row uh, with an individual named Frostbite3030, who I did not realize really should have made the fall tournament, actually got a faster time in one of the qualifier the qualifiers than Andy did. So Whoa. this is like a no joke. Like mm. they, they sweeped they sweeped the group round. They got ten wins out of, they got ten wins and zero losses. That's impressive. Um, yeah, so I was not upset to be losing to this person. In fact, I got a personal best against this person and lost to them. So like that's fine. You know, was it like close yeah. or was it uh pretty no. sided? No. <laughs> no, it, I think the first one was like um, like four or five minutes off, and I felt actually really good about that one. And then the other one was um, an all dungeons, I think, and it was it was like a good twenty minutes or so. It oh, was wow. a really trolley seat. It, there were two. Um, no, I'm sorry. It, it must have been Ganon because we actually I actually ended up getting all three pendants, even though I knew there was nothing on pedestal because I was searching for items. And there was there was actually progression on two pendant bosses in that scene. Ooh. So it was essentially in all dungeons, just the way it had to be played. But that meant that, you know, execution was more important than ever. And there was a lot of looking around, you know, and going to that final check and being like, oh, the, there literally has to be progression here because there's nowhere else to look. So it was a lot of that. But, you know, when you get into a situation like that and you're up against someone who's a lot more experienced, they're going to just mow through all of that basic execution type stuff. And that's exactly what happened. So that was uh, that was three. I was. I was uh, 0-3 at that point, and I had my final race actually last Monday after the cutoff, but they made an exception to get the race in or whatever, and I really lucked out because I believe this probably would have been a loss if my opponent hadn't accidentally forgotten to check a really common chest. I think it was the one near next to uncle the other uh, chest that's next to uncle oh. uh, just forgot to check it and it was a medallion and because they didn't have that they couldn't go to Meyer and they couldn't they had to basically forfeit so i'm just playing through no. the seed and i finished about two hours in and realized that you know that my opponent was was still looking around for that so basically that was and that was my only win so like <laughs> pretty pretty um you know, not not a great showing really in terms of win loss ratio and and also execution, but because of forfeits that occurred and things like that, I ended up picking up enough wins to move on to the next round. And I just, you know, I mean that's great for me, it's cool or whatever, but you can't help but feel bad for some of the other individuals. You know, it, there could have been other people in my group that were. I it just doesn't seem like it was super fair. I, I can't really think of another way to put it. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like if they have people, if people drop out and forfeit, they probably should switch the earlier matches they had. You know, if they beat someone, those should change from a win to a loss. So because otherwise, yeah. it really disadvantages the people who say, "Okay, I'm going to play you at the start, and maybe I lose, and then you know, you go on and you drop out after say the third game." At, you know, out of ten games, and then their next seven are all wins for your opponent. Whereas, you know, the early people got saddled with a loss potentially. Yeah, it's so, it's definitely a little unfortunate how that works. Yeah, yeah, and so this situation that happened to me actually reminded me of something that I remembered Herf talking about. Some a somewhat similar situation that occurred in the group rounds of the fall tournament. 
so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that situation because I remember it was it was kind of similar. Yeah, so um, pretty much as you were just mentioning for uh, the the Challenge Cup, uh, we handled drops in the same way uh, during the group rounds, and I know of I think actually two occasions where it at least you know negatively affected someone in a big way not necessarily keeping them out of contention but at least you know getting them close to there and the problem as you were saying as well is if you award wins for matches that haven't been played yet while other people might have gotten potentially up to three losses in the main tournament i think it's only two matches per person for uh for the challenge cup Two, yeah, it's two for the Challenge Cup and three for the Fall Tournament. Yeah, so if you're potentially looking at someone beating someone else three times and then they're like, okay, I'm dropping because I don't have time anymore or whatever, you know, I'm not begrudging anyone who, who feels the need or has to drop for whatever the reason may be. It's that everyone can choose to do that, no problem. It's just the way that it, the points or the wins and losses were handled were a bit unfortunate. And... uh at least for the main tournament, I can already say that all the admins agreed that it was a bit unfortunate or definitely not completely fair to everyone. So uh, we yeah. want to change that for the next time. We just haven't really figured out what the fairest way is. You know, normally you'd say, okay, well, I guess the group goes from five to four and you just have everyone play one person less. And then at the end, you figure out who are the top two from those four people. But you have to somehow deal with the games that have already been played and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the solution. I have no idea how you take on this task. And, you know, I certainly don't begrudge the admins of the Challenge Cup. I mean, far from it. Like, I, I can't... It's incredible that they're doing all of this for the community. You know, it's mm-hmm. all volunteer, just like the other one is. Um, and they really were just kind of following, you know, the, the official fall tournament's lead in kind of, you know, mirroring the way that they were doing it more or less. So I don't begrudge them at all for it. It's just, it's a really tough thing to try to figure out. We've talked about before, you know, some of the downfalls of, you know, how to deal with such a giant group of people that are all participating in a tournament. You Mm want to try to give everybody a fair shake, but it's, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. You have different, you know, people's different schedules to deal with. And yeah, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, Axti, what do you think? What are your yeah, ideas? No, I, I think one thing I was thinking during this whole thing is no matter what people, you know, decide on some issue, whether we're talking about, you know, back during the qualifier stages with people, you know, talking and chat and getting DQ'd or we're talking about this with how we handle forfeits, whatever is decided, there's going to be some group of people who are harmed by it, dislike it, whatever. So it's very, I think I can empathize a lot with the situation the admins have where they have to say look we have to make some calls on this we know some people aren't going to be happy no matter what we choose so how do we figure out how to you know choose things and i think when with regards to dropouts you know you got to think scheduling wise i imagine that and i don't know this and you know for sure but i would guess we've got people running the gamut from high school students to college students to you know people in their their 20s 30s 40s who you know maybe have jobs spouses children whatever and so just trying to line up everybody's you know and people in the united states canada europe you know it's very hard i think for to get those to all sync up if you're say 
a high school student in France and you're trying to find a time with, you know, a 35 year old person that's got a, you know, two kids and a job in Canada, it, it could be hard to find a time to get those matches to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible that you, I hadn't even really considered the fact this is also worldwide, you know, I mean, I knew, but like when you just add that on to everything else, it's like, God, yeah. How are they supposed to possibly do this? It's, you know, I, no, it's it's really. I think it's it's why I'm so impressed with these tournaments is because I think a lot of times the community might say, okay, well we'll split into a you know a, a you know North America versus you know mm-hmm. Europe or something like that. But I give a lot of credit to the tournament admins and the philosophy of no, we want this to be really inclusive. We want everybody from all around the world to participate, and we will figure out some way to make it work for everyone. It might not be the ideal for everyone. And it, there's probably going to be some people who are more negatively affected than others, but we will try to set the rules in a way that everyone can participate. Yeah. Well, so both of these tournaments now are in bracket stages, and brackets, I don't know, everyone seems to feel like brackets are okay. So um, you shouldn't have any, you know, a whole lot of issues with this sort of thing going forward as we continue to watch these tournaments. But as we know, once one tournament ends, usually we're getting ready to start another one, so... Um, it's something that I know they'll all be thinking about as we uh, wrap up this tournament here in the next few months. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention. I don't know exactly when it happened, but maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago. No, it could have been two. It would have been probably about three or four weeks ago, I would have to say, because the uh, Discord icon for ALTTPR changed to one of Link in a Santa suit. What does it mean? Well, I mean, Tim, that's that's why we have Santa Claus here in the studio today. That's um, I, yeah, I'm asking you, Santa, <laughs> tell us what it means. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you know, uh, uh, VTorp and the other developers just, uh, you know, they wanted to spread some Christmas cheer. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So I'm, you know, just uh, playing some randomizer up at the North Pole while I get ready to deliver presents to the children. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, okay, great. <laughs> that was um really good actually i'm not even i'm not even upset about that uh so so we wondered right we we saw this switch and we we're like okay first thing that comes to mind i would guess probably for everyone is we're getting another festive randomizer some sort of modification to a link to the past um, they did something similar last year where they changed the music to be different christmas music and there was ice everywhere to contend with. Uh, Herf, what, what were some of the other things that they did with that? Well, I don't really remember 100%, but I definitely remember, I think, the thing that you just mentioned and that everyone dearly remembers is uh, the ice physics everywhere. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was really... The big, oh, uh, and it was like a Santa link, I guess, right? Yeah, like, I think it was a Santa link. Play. And I think you were looking for presents. Wasn't that the thing? You were yeah, you were like for looking for presents to deliver around Hyrule or something like that. <clears throat> Kind of like how the Halloween mode, you had candy. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that was the whole thing. And I, uh, I'm i curious. I'm curious to see if they're going to just, you know, not to downplay it in any way, but if they're just going to repeat the last year and put, off the, put on the festive randomizer again, or if maybe they have something new in store this year. They're, they're actually planning a, uh, a Santa Claus-based alternate reality game with Randomizer, where in the world around you, when you wake up on Christmas morning, your home will be randomized, and 
Santa Claus will have done it, and you'll need to find your clothes, toothbrush, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, there'll be a special note, and we'll all gather together, and uh, Santa Claus will teach us the meaning, or Santa Link, rather, will teach us the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, sounds, terrifying. sounds good. <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Uh, so so we we wondered about this, and uh, coincidentally enough, a um, friend of the show, Vitorp, actually reached out to us last night with a very curious question, and I'm just going to go ahead and being the journalists that we are, I think I think we owe it to the community to report on this. So he asked when we were going to record. We told him we were going to record today. It is Saturday the 15th. He said, and I asked him why, and he said, just wondering. And it releases the following weekend? And I said, no, it releases on Wednesday. And he said, oh, no worries then. What mm-hmm. is that? What is that? What's happening Well, there? again, it's the Santa... He wants to start the Santa Claus <laughs> ARG. And if, you know, I think Santa, you know, he comes and visits some, you know, girls and boys the week before Christmas... And uh, that was going to be kind of the intro is, you know, Santa has randomized the stuff at, at Timmy and Janie's house and uh, we have to help them out. Santa Claus ARG, guys, it's happening. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if that if that happens, we'll know that you were the one that that predicted it above all else. Mm-hmm. So so he we uh, as you can imagine, dear listener, we tried to drag everything out of him that we could at that point just saying you know give us give us the scoop vtorp and all he would tell us is that there might be something special coming so that's straight from vtorp i'm leaking it on this show go mode exclusive you heard it here first something special is coming in relation to uh festive randomizer so that's all i wish we could give you more but that's that's all we have and Maybe next time we'll be we'll be more successful in uh, uh, our journalistic efforts there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, are you guys ready to take a walk in the woods? Sure, I'm ready to get spooked. I'm looking forward, kind of. All right, all right, let's go. All right, Skull Woods. This one is a sort of sort of a weird one, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's a weird one because you technically have access to it relatively early on. I mean, early on meaning as pretty much as soon as you can get into the dark world, I would Post say. Post-dark world, yeah. But mm-hmm. more often than not, you're not actually able to complete it until quite a while later. Yeah, that ends up being the case for me quite a bit. Yeah, it's like one of the dungeons where you know we typically say, hey... Don't double dip stuff. It's a bad idea and waste time. Skullwoods is, of course, the weird exception to that, where you might actually want to double dip it, and it might save time. Mm-hmm. Now, it used to be called, and uh, Herf, you can probably help corroborate this since you've been in the community a little bit longer, but I believe there was a, a nickname for Skullwoods. Uh, <laughs> people would call it Value Woods. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm trying to remember which version it was. I want to say maybe 27... I think it might have been okay. 27, uh, where no matter what happened, you could almost blindly and immediately, as soon as you got to the Dark World, go into Skullwoods and check the front chest that you can get to with, you know, more or less no equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll get, at the very least, one progression item. I wonder why that was. That's weird. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was just because 
It was so as we were saying, you're you're able to go in there so early on. It has more or less no item requirements. So yeah. uh, I think the the algorithm that they used to fill all the stuff just kind of favored it. No matter dungeon, like no matter pendant or crystal. That makes sense. I can see that. Well, so and I guess at some point they sort of changed the logic because now. Um, to Axe's point, it, it, it is a dungeon that you will see people dip into early pretty frequently, but it's definitely not the kind of surefire bet that it used to be in that earlier, you know, in that earlier version. So do you guys have any sort of, um, well, let me back up real quick. There are two items in Skullwoods, and as I said earlier, it's weird. They're kind of spread out amongst uh, all of the different parts of Skullwoods, but there is still somewhat of a chance uh, for sure that you can get some at least one of those two items very easily, um, you know, without needing any extra items. So are, is this something that you guys are still doing on a regular basis? What is your approach when you just freshly step into the dark world? Do you do you go check this or not? I mean, I would say when I see that it is crystal and I, you know, remember to go, mm-hmm. uh, I always will go and check because you think about it, there's one, two three four i think four chests in the front i think four chests five the with the big chest yeah five but with that's the big also chest. sort of a and then oh, one uh, yeah sorry yeah the one in the pinball room is that what you're gonna say yeah so that yeah. one doesn't really count but exactly but there, there's a lot of chests in the front basically and it's likely that you'll find at least one of the items in there maybe two and if that is a progression item that's usually a a big boom to you and you can route it in very easily as you're doing your initial kind of uh you know village of outcasts sort of check you know what i will do is i'll go in you know i'll go into the portal in kakariko go north enter in the very first pit kind of do that loop Mm -hmm. exit and then go out and at the same time i can check what's on the uh the death the uh dark death mountain ledge on bumper cave Oh, um, oh, okay. And then just, you know, swing on, either go east and do the checks there, although that's usually not something I'm going to do, uh-huh. or just go south and then do everything in Village Outcast and Thieves Town and all that fun stuff. Okay, I gotcha. For me, and I don't know if this is necessarily, like, the right call, but it works for me as a way to, like, determine. Well, there's two things. So the first one, if I have Titan's Mitts, I feel like that is going to make me more likely to go. Because then coming, uh, typically when I go up and do that, I I just go straight back down to Kakariko, which is, or to, sorry, uh, uh, Village of Outcasts, which is what I thought you were going to say, which is why I was surprised when you said Bumper Cave. I, I like that. Um but if you have the uh, uh, Titan's Mitts, when you come back, you can just go straight back down the way that you came, basically. And you don't have to go over to the side and go over all those bushes, which is going to be kind of slow and annoying. So I, I like doing that, and it sort of works as a good, like, should I check it or shouldn't I check it? Because, you know, just like anything in Randomizer, there's a chance there could be nothing. So sometimes it could be good to skip it. Yeah, uh, I, but I'm actually, that's kind of what I use. Yeah, I actually, if I don't have Titan's Mitt, I'm much more likely to do it just because I feel that saving the little bit of time from not having to lift up and cut all those bushes well actually if i don't have a sword then i'm definitely going up there because lifting all those bushes takes forever but uh if uh yeah it's uh i don't know (laughs) i hate those bushes (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty annoying to do that um okay now i did want to mention because this is this is like a common rookie mistake and i can say that because i made it many times as a rookie and still sometimes do uh you have to be careful about where you go into 
the woods, this the the actual forest itself, the dark forest. Um, there, it's kind of split into a, into two different sections. You need to make sure that you either go in the right side of the northern and there's there's two entrances north of Kakariko. The one on the right will take you to the Skullwoods dungeon. The one on the left will not. That takes you to a separate part that is sectioned off. So if you try to go up there, you're just going to be wandering around. You're going to have to go back. I cannot tell you how much time in my early seeds I wasted wandering around the wrong part of the woods. So I'm telling you so that you don't do that. The, there's, there's four entrances total to the woods. The one up by Bumper Cave, as Axe mentioned, that one also connects to Skullwoods. Um, the one that is... Wait, is that... Sorry, I need to stop and check myself here. Is that... Is that so right? there's no so the one I, if that's you're thinking right. about the one by fortune teller that connects to skull yes the and one, that's the one you were talking about yeah yes. and that's where i'm I come out, out usually okay the one that's further north of that up by where the lumberjacks would be in the light world and where there's an item shop in the dark world uh that connects to that useless path you were talking about that you enter yes. from the far left mm-hmm. of uh, village of outcasts that basically there's no reason to ever go in there there's no items there's no even in like a entrance rando or something there's no entrances there is literally no reason to ever go in that part of uh, Skullwoods. yes okay so the right side one north of kakariko or the one by the fortune teller those are the two entrances you need to take into the woods in order to get to Skullwoods. the other two are not going to help you at all so just keep that in mind mm-hmm. um now, for Skullwoods itself, it's uh, basically divided into three parts, okay? You've got front of Skullwoods, middle Skullwoods, and back of Skullwoods, or the area with Mothula. Um, so what we're talking about with these dips are the front of Skullwoods. That's what's pretty much open. There's there's five technically five different item checks in there, um, and you don't really need any items, um, except, I guess, maybe bombs. Um, but... Uh, the middle one has one item and it's sort of debatable if you would want to dip and check that one. It would, I would say no. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say probably not. Um, and then the back, it has uh, two items, being one being a chest and then the other one being um, the one that you would pick up against the boss, Mothula. So that makes for eight location checks total. Um, there are two items, three keys, the compass, the map, and the big key. Yeah, and one notable thing is that a lot of the keys, you actually only need, uh, if you're go-moding this dungeon, you only need one key to finish it. So, and one of those keys uh, may end up being useless. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are some keys that are under some skulls that will we'll give you a heads up about that, you know, you won't even really need to item check to find the key. You, you can just grab it on your way. So, cool. All right. Um, so let me just make sure we didn't skip over anything here. Let's talk about items that you need. Um, cause we, we mentioned a few times the front of Skullwoods, you don't really need any items. Um, the middle of Skullwoods, uh, you will be glad if you have the red cane because it's going to save you a lot of time. Otherwise, um, you, you don't need it, but it would, it would be helpful for you. Uh, and you might also like to have bombs for another specific reason we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, for the back of Skullwoods, there are a couple items you do specifically need, or else you're not going to get in, you're not going to be able to complete it. First one is the one that you pick up in this dungeon in vanilla, which is the Fire Rod. As we mentioned in previous episodes, the Fire Rod is required in order to get to the back of Skullwoods and to defeat Mothula and collect whatever crystal or pendant is here. 
What is the next required item? Well, I mean, assuming you're not playing swordless, you will definitely want, at the very least, a fighter sword. You probably want something better, but if you're not going to have a, uh, at least a fighter sword, you're definitely not going back there because there's some vines you need to cut. This is uh, only the second, and I believe the only other location where you will definitely need a sword to progress. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just like um, Aghanim, where you have to have a sword to slash the curtain. There's, these are just vines, but it works exactly the same way. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and start with our walkthrough. Um, now, let's let's assume that we're going to... This is this already a kind of... In, we have to explain this a little bit, because if you're just going in for a dip, you're just going to go to Front of Skull Woods and just do that. But... I've found, and I think it's pretty common for people to do this, if you're going to do a full clear and you know you're going to kill Mothula and collect the crystal or pendant that's here, it really is going to make a lot more sense to start in the back with the boss because you know you have to do that. So you start there, you just go straight past the front. You don't even need to touch the front. You can just start in the middle, go through the middle, go to the back, take care of the back of Skullwoods, kill Mothula, come back through the middle, do that part, and then do the front because there's a chance you might find both your items in the back and the middle and not even need to do the front because all it has is keys and dungeon trash. So we're actually going to start in the back of Skull Woods for our full walkthrough. So this assumes you have the fire rod, of course, because you have to have that for a full clear. So uh, let's just talk about how to get to that area because it is in the back left of the woods and it's a little bit, you know, you have to kind of work your way around. So let's assume that you just came from... Uh, you just came from south, uh, the south area from Kakariko, and you just walked up that area. How would you direct people to make their way to the back of Skullwoods? Who's going to take this one? <laughs> uh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So you've walked okay. in. Um, you're going to go to the right. Uh, lift up. the. You're going to have a bush and a little rock to pick up. Uh, always pick up the rock on the bottom because there is a 50-50 chance of a bomb. And, uh, you know, anytime you've got a chance to get a free bomb, it, you should take it because you got to lift up one of these rocks anyway. Then you're going to walk up to the north. You're oh, a... but sorry, I want to interject real quick. You can't dash against these walls or else you will you will bounce you will bonk off of them. Yes. Don't. So be careful with your dashes. So Even though walk... they're diagonal. Yeah, you can't do it. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you're going to okay, walk continue. up north and uh, you're going to see a hole. You can actually, believe it or not. Uh, walk around that hole if you hug the right side and since we're going straight to the back you want to do that otherwise you'd be entering into the front then you're going to do kind of a counterclockwise turn around these three skulls and the uh, little bed of uh, flowers bushes what have you and you're going to head up through some like monster spine looking thing uh, hopefully when you get up to the top there you don't get hit by the enemy then you're going to go down the other side of the monster spine, and you will find the entrance to the middle of Skull Woods. Hooray! Yeah. Uh, from here, you are now in the middle, so you want to get out of the middle as fast as possible, which means you go left, and then you go left again, and then in the room you're in, you go up to the upper left-hand corner, pull up the uh, pot skull thing, and get a key. Uh, don't get it by the wallmaster, and exit out the door, and you are now in the overworld area that is the back uh you're going to want to go to the left go up the monster spine tunnel thing you'll find a scary looking guy with some things coming out of his mouth 
you'll fire rod that uh, thing coming out of his mouth, and that is the entrance to the back of Skull Woods. Perfect. Well yeah. done. Wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Um, so one thing to mention real quick, and some people do this when they after they kill Mafula, but you could be in a situation where you need to know whether or not you should kill Mafula. Um, this, if you have the mirror and the book, is a perfect time to check pedestal. And you could be very, very glad that you did that. Um, so the best way to do that is when you get to this back area with the um, skull with the like long nose thing that you burned, if you go to the left of that and then up a little bit, um, if you find just the right spot, and it's, it's not too uh, tough to find, but you do kind of need to know exactly where to stand, you can mirror right there and it'll basically put you right in front of the area with the pedestal with all the woodland creatures and the sunlight and the, our album art. Um, that part right there. So, <laughs> so get your book out, check what's on ped. That could save you a ton of time knowing, knowing right there, if you didn't already know. Um, so, and this is the closest you're going to be to it any other time. Cause it's so far out of the way. It's in the very far Northwest of the map. So I would recommend a, pe a pedestal check if you can. Uh, and if you need to, then you go ahead and head back into the portal and, uh, open up the back of skull woods and then, and then head in there. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's that's the, a good time. I have uh, another time noted down here, namely after you kill Mothula. It, uh, as you were mentioning, it kind of really depends on what you're planning to do and how your routing works out. Because uh, if you don't need to kill Mothula, you can save yourself the trip. Or if you plan to flute somewhere else, it could be more beneficial to do it after you kill Mothula because then you warp back to the light world, check the pedestal, and then you can flute away directly, stuff like that. But oh, that's true. That's true. It uh, Yeah, it, it really depends on your like current situation when you're going to that back of Skull Woods. Like, what, what is the plan afterwards? And then you yeah. can decide from there if you'd rather check the pedestal beforehand or afterwards. Very true. All right, so let's head inside, and then there, there's actually, I see you've written something here. Go to Mothula first, then come back for the chest at the front door. So you're you're the kind of guy who likes to go straight to Mothula and then come back afterwards and check that chest. Yeah, usually I do. I mean, it's, again, a little bit dependent on how it all works out. Is it a crystal dungeon? Is it a pendant dungeon? Have you found an item already? Are you still looking for both items? Stuff like that. But mm -hmm. in general, I think it's... Uh, it it also a little bit depends on if you have the mirror or not if you have the mirror it's it kind true. of doesn't matter but if you mm -hmm. don't have the mirror uh i feel like you can do a death warp yeah you, you can mirror. if you yeah. don't have a mirror you can do a death warp or you might want to you know go there first and then do the death warp to refill on some hearts for the mafia fight stuff like that it, it kind of depends but in, in general, I like to go straight to the boss and then come back in because it warps you back out uh, yeah. to the entrance and then just come back in and do all the little loop-de-loop -loop stuff that you need to do down there to get to the other chest yeah. if you have to. Uh, more than once, uh, I have found a sword in that chest and that's that's extremely anecdotal so you know take this with a grain of salt <laughs> but because that has happened to me a couple times i always do that one for or i would say if i have the mirror i do that one first um, yeah because i can just run and get the mirror and then because like it was just you know it was there the whole time and it's like you didn't take the time to grab it and so you had to do it with master instead of tempered and it's like oh my god i wish i had just checked it so i like to check it first 
Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's really down to personal preference, I guess, is, is the gist of it. S is so much with this game. Yeah. yeah. I, I also am a, a no-checker and go straight to Mothula and then go get the chest, unless I come in with two hearts or something like that. Yeah, then it's, of course, different again. If, you, if you're already low on health, it might be helpful to do a death warp and get some more of that. Yeah. So since, you know either you're going to do this at the beginning or you're going to do it once you kill Mafula. So let's just go through it now. You you go down the stairs to the left and then you're going to have to navigate under some bridges so it can be sort of tough. But, you know, if you're familiar with the game, it's no big deal. I recommend always going to the right side whenever you get to the barriers that block you from going straight. Um, just because it, it always works to the right side. Sometimes to the left side, there are pots or walls in the way. Um, and also just keep in mind that once you get to the end, there is a pot there. So you're going to have to spam A and pick that up. Mm -hmm. um, so that should get you through it nice and quickly. And then in the next room, you're going to have some moving spikes, some gibdos, and some bumpers. I like to use this bumper right here. And there's a couple times in Skull Wars where you can do this. If you hit yourself on the bumper as you walk away, it'll actually shoot you pretty quickly towards the direction that you were going. So you can get a tiny little speed boost right there. It's probably more swag than anything, but I like to do it. Um, and then you just go through the door right there and you check uh, one of the items. What is this one actually called? This is called the uh, Bridge Room. Ooh, yeah, I think that's chest. what it's called. The spoiler names are so weird sometimes. I know, yeah. It's like pretty arbitrary, it seems like sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I believe this is the Bridge Room one. So uh, after you get that, either mirror out or just make the long walk back or maybe even a death warp if you were low on hearts. Uh, and now we'll continue on with the back of Skullwoods. And maybe you did it at, at the end, maybe you did it just now, but now you know. Yeah, exactly. Now you know what's uh, down in that chest and how to get there. And uh, assuming you want to go back to Mothula, uh, you're going to end up having to go over the bridge instead of under it now, which uh, has two mini moldorms and a fire bar along it, as, long, uh, as well as a, a little immovable block that kind of blocks your way on the right side. The bridge is two tiles wide, and if you manage to, or I should say, if you were lucky enough to obtain the boots before you come in here, um, if you move a little bit to the left, so when you dash straight up, you don't bonk on the block, but the block pushes you to the side. You know how in the game, if you kind of dash against a corner, it sometimes pushes you a little bit to the side so you can dash nudge. past it. So if you, let it, if, it, if you let it nudge you like that and adjust you like that, it adjusts you perfectly to be uh, ready for a key dash because the door at the end there is locked with the key that you picked up from the pot in the middle section that Axiel was talking about. And uh, if you let that block push you, you key dash into the door up there perfectly and it doesn't bonk you or cost you any time. It's a... Uh, it can be a little tricky because those mini moldorms and especially that fire bar, they usually don't play along. Like one of those three things will most likely get in your way. Yeah, and if you're too far to the right, then you just bonk against that that block, and that's mm -hmm. obviously not faster. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just a little nudge to the left and then a dash, and that that usually sets you up pretty good. And and you can even beat that um that fire snake or whatever. Um, cool. Okay, so you'll use the key that you picked up in the middle of Skullwoods uh, that Axe mentioned mm -hmm. um, and head into the next room. And this has a bunch of disappearing and reappearing pits, just like uh, you know we saw back in Tower of Hera and earlier in Skullwoods. There's a, a lot of these too. Um, there is a way to pretty much just walk right in and then just kind of go diagonal up, up and right. And you'll go in between two of these pits, kind of on a diagonal between them. 
and you'll be able to walk right over it. It's not even very precise. It's pretty easy to do. Um, and that's by far going to be the easiest, fastest way through this room. Um, that being said, uh, if you listen to our bonus episode, you heard that we um, there are a lot of hearts in here too. So if you're low on health, you might want to pick up some of the pots that are hearts, which are the ones on the top left and the bottom right. And uh, there's also magic on the bottom left and the top right in those pots in there too. Yep, exactly. All right. uh, I think you had this, this mixed up. The, the heart is on the bottom oh. left. Okay, and the, thank the you, top sir. right, the magic's on the top left and bottom right. Okay, so oh. remember that, everybody. Don't mix them up like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I usually find if I'm actually going in there for hearts or magic, it's worth it to just do the whole loop and get mm-hmm. everything, since I'm likely hitting in here without full magic or full hearts anyway. Uh, and it's, you know, two hearts could be the difference between a death on Mothula and a successful completion. So true. Yeah, very so much so. True, true. Yeah. All right. Um, this next room, I uh, I actually have a I have, have video footage of something I did here one time. I accidentally did some uh, spooky magic, I think it's called or whatever, where mm-hmm. you are able to use a fire rod shot or a, a red cane shot uh, by like changing the verticals. I don't I don't know how to do it. I, I don't <laughs> know how to explain it either. But I accidentally did it one time in this room, and it was really cool. But anyway, what you're doing here is there's four torches and uh four gibdos that are going to be trying to get in your way gibdos are very strong enemies um that are very annoying they just walk straight towards you they're they're uh tough to kill it takes takes a lot of hp they have a lot of hp but one fire rod shot will take them down so especially if i have half magic and i'm not so concerned about my magic i just go ahead and murder them right off the bat Mm -hmm. I, i might even go out of my way a little bit in order to do that just because they will really ruin your day along with the wall masters that are here as well if you don't take care of them or have some plan to get around them um i I do see uh higher level runners essentially sort of have a way to weave and zigzag around them so they don't have to kill them i don't know how to do that so i just kill them but um what do you guys like to do in this room i hate this room yeah i also hate it because of the gibdos and because you usually are gonna have some magic crunch Uh, i try to get the you know if I can, when I use the fire rod, if I can kill a Gibdo and light a torch at the same time, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it can be a little risky, though, because you can go for the bottom one and, uh, you know, you can end up really screwing yourself up with that. So the safer strategy that I now kind of adopt is I go, you know, fire rod the top two. If the third one is just kind of moving away from me, I say forget it. Pick up the two magic pots uh, if I need them. And then get the bottom one, get the bottom uh, torch, get the two middle torches at the same time, and then get the one on the top. And if I'm really concerned about magic, what I'll do is actually use the lamp on the mm-hmm. very bottom one. Yeah. Definitely. And if you have the boots, you can actually use the lamp on the bottom three. The only one you have to use the rod on is the fourth one because there's a pit. Yeah, and actually, I mean, this is kind of crazy, and I don't know if you'd have enough time to pull it off. You could bomb jump across that and light it was, with with the tour, the lamp. But I don't I know. Think by the time I don't know if you could do that. I don't I think you have enough work. time to come back because you'd have to yeah. bomb jump the way back as well. And by the time the bottom torch is probably out, unless you went up there first, bomb jumped across, hit it with the lamp, fell intentionally, and then did the rest. Yeah, that could work. That could oh, work. But I mean, you have to have the fire rod to get in here anyway. So mm. right. 
It's and, like that's def- and that's definitely going to be longer than doing it with the fire rod. But I guess if you're ever in a situation where you're doing some kind of crazy entrance randomizer, mm-hmm. then maybe that is something you want to know. I, I I don't know. I I can't ever see anybody using it. That. Could it could potentially work? It's like that. It's like one of those interesting like thought puzzle exercises mm-hmm. where we actually have a few we're looking at later that are like, would it be possible? To, yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, you actually probably could if you use some bomb jumps and fall use like that one first, fall down the pit. Yeah, but for all other situations and circumstances, you're probably just going to want to blast it with your fire rod. Um, but to Axe's point, you can conserve some magic by using the lamp. Um, on the lower ones and also those two skulls that are blocking the one on the right do have magic under them um, mm-hmm. so that that'll be helpful too yeah and the reason i've been talking magic so much here is when you get to mothula if you've got magic it's a much easier fight than if you don't oh yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. and hearts for that matter i mean yeah. it's it's not yeah, easy We're hearts and magic yeah, it's, you're going to want uh, lots of both. <laughs> so uh, so let's say you lit all four of the torches so the door opens. Go ahead and head through before that closes. And you're going to get into kind of like a gauntlet room with uh, one Gibdo, three mini Moldorum, a Wallmaster crawling around, and there's a secret entrance up at the top, the one that Herf mentioned earlier, that you mm-hmm. need to slash your sword at, and then the vines will fall down, and you can walk through to the next room. Um, anything uh, of note in this room you guys want to mention? Yeah, don't get hit by the swirly yellow magic thing that turns you back into bunny. Um, if you have a choice between getting hit by that or hitting the mini moldorm, take an intentional hit on the mini moldorm because it'll give you invincibility frames. And I sometimes do that to avoid it and then get a guaranteed slash on the room. Because otherwise, if you get turned into a bunny, you can't use your sword. and You have to wander around here for a bit and not get hit by the wallmaster. Yeah, it's a huge inconvenience. And I mean, you can just get hit right away, and that'll take you out of your bunny state. But again, like, yeah, you need to save your hearts for Mothula. So. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that if you're really quick in here, um, before the mini Moldom really starts moving, and also before that yellow bunny beam that's up there in the middle starts moving, they both don't really have a hitbox, especially not the bunny beam. You can just straight up walk through the bunny beam if you're quick enough. I mean, it's a little bit risky because if it starts moving right as you're walking through it, you're obviously going to get hit. But if you're really yeah. quick and move up to the left there, you can usually slash at the vines quick enough before the bunny beam starts moving and then make it into the next room before anything even happens. Yeah, that's true. You could also, if you have magic powder, use it on that to get a fairy, which could be a lifesaver. Right? Yeah, very yes, true. Yes, I, I just was kind of having a... Like a, a fridge moment of like, oh my god, I didn't even think of doing that. <laughs> I didn't either until I just saw it, but I'm going to start for sure. I yeah, I I'm to... putting that in the the official axial strategy bank. Yeah. So Again, that... you have to watch out here to wait for that until it starts moving because it's going to be immune to your powder before it starts moving, and that has gotten me hit more often than uh-huh. I'd like to admit. Maybe let it come to you. Mm-hmm. But then you then you have to be careful of the mini moldorms. Yeah, it can be a little bit dicey. But if you're you know if you're aching for hearts, it's definitely a good choice. Yeah. Speaking of which, so in the next room, uh, there is one guaranteed heart you can get, but you're going to have to do some pretty artful dodging 
to not hit, you know, basically exchange a heart to get a heart uh, by going up to this top skull in the top left. That has a guaranteed heart under it, too. Um, the Gibdo has a key, so you're probably going to have to kill that. If you've been doing a true go mode and you haven't checked any of the chests, um, then you are going to need that um, because you haven't you don't have any other keys uh, otherwise and the next room is locked so uh, if not though if you were lucky enough to pick up a key you can pretty much just zip right through this room there's a lot of potential enemies and danger and things that can deplete your heart so I usually just try to get through it as quickly as possible if I don't need that key mm-hmm. otherwise you know get it and get it and go uh, now I think it was Axe put something kind of interesting about uh, something you can do with the spikes in this room I put that, but oh, that was her. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, give uh, her thing... credit for his good ideas. Because <laughs> yeah, because I I don't think I've I've never been able to take advantage of this. But yeah, tell tell us about it. The thing is, this is also a downside that you will have in the mafia boss fight, but you can use it as an upside pretty much anywhere else where there's spikes. If you're going for that heart in the upper left, if you manage to slash, say you have a fighter sword only, and we all know that Gibdos take like 400,000 hits with a fighter sword before they finally die. If you manage to slash the Gibdo from the left uh, and slash it twice so it bumps into the spike after it gets knocked back from your hit, it will actually convert your fighter sword damage into spike damage, which is equal to uh, butter sword damage. So oh, basically, the Gibdo will immediately die and drop its key. So you can get the key very quickly and also get you know out of dodge of all the dangerous enemies that are in here pretty quickly. Um, That's super cool. That is a even, very good strategy. You can even... the It's a little harder with those enemies, but you can even try to bump the little hardhead beetle, the blue one, into the spikes as well. Just, you know, to see if you have any drop lock, maybe get another heart, get a free full magic refill or something like that. Like, if you're looking yeah. for something, that could help. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, a lot of times, if I'm, if I'm like, if my heart chime is going off, I'll full clear this room mm-hmm. just to see if I can get, like, one more heart maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so so we got our key. Let's Let's head into the next room. I have to give a shout out to the most frustrating thing that can happen to you in A Link to the Past randomizer, <laughs> which is dropping down this hole to go kill Mothula and then having a wall master snatch you out of thin air while you're dropping and put you back at the entrance. It is infuriating! JP 1.0 exclusive, my friend. Yep. God, uh, it is the so worst. To avoid that, you may, if you... If it's been a while since you've seen the Wallmaster, just wait a second. Wait a second. Wait for that shadow and then go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that Wallmaster can grab you while you're in your fall animation. So, you could, like, have already heard the, oh, 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 and then, like, you hear, Wow and that means that you just got snatched and it's time to throw your controller. Uh, yep. So, yeah, don't, it, it seems dumb. It seems arbitrary. It probably has never happened to you, but all it takes is one time and you will make absolute sure that that never happens again mm-hmm. and like i said all it takes is just a quick delay you know make sure you know where it is you hear it and then go go fall down so uh speaking of that though i would recommend going uh the top way that where the top spike is because there is a guaranteed magic drop under that skull and again every little bit can help so um grab that and let's fall down and contend with mothula all right so we're going to talk about fighting mothula now yeah we might as well Alright, so uh, so Mafia has 32 hit points, and 
if you you know your your damage tables, uh, which I don't know have them memorized, but looking the uh, best thing you can the thing that does the most damage to Mothula are the tempered sword and the hammer. Uh, an interesting quirk in Vanilla that was fixed is that technically the Butter Sword does not hurt Mothula. They have since fixed that in Randomizer because you could end up in a situation where your sword doesn't hurt Mothula, and that's not something that not anybody wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was don't probably a uh, an oversight from the programmers. I don't think they intended the Butter Sword to not do any damage. I think it goes back to what Herf was saying about how uh, Spike damage and Butter Sword damage have the same like value yeah, or something like that. It's the same yeah. damage class, and uh, I think at least, I might be wrong on this, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I am, but as far as I'm aware, it's the same damage class, and if you're immune to one item from that, you can't be like immune to a certain item, you're always immune to a certain damage class. So oh. if you're immune to Spikes, you're also automatically immune to Butter Sword interesting well that is good to know so anyway that that has been fixed and so butter sword does the same as tempered sword but uh ignoring all this talk about hit points let's talk about the elephant in the room or should i say the spikes in the room (laughs) so mothula's room has all these conveyor belts that randomly move back and forth well it's it's one conveyor belt that will yeah one that Mm-hmm. the whole direction. floor will move either left right up or down at any given time yeah and there's no way to really control that or manipulate it so you just kind of go with it but there are also spikes that shoot out of the walls and those also kind of randomly uh move around and mothula if you hit mothula into a spike she won't take any damage so this fight more so than any other fight potent i think in the rest of randomizer can get very, very frustrating because it looks like you're doing well and you've hit Mothula a bunch and she's just not going down. Uh, in particular, if you are coming in and using the fire rod and the fire rod does four damage, so you only need uh, eight fire rod shots. And, uh, but you could go in and say, okay, fire rod shot, fire rod shot, take four fire rod shots and none of them have connected or they have connected and Mothula was hit into spikes. So it's very tricky, uh, and I would say with the moving spikes around, probably even if you've got Tempered Sword, you might want to start out using the Fire Rod just because that lets you stay away from Mothula, time your shot so that she's not near any spikes, um, although you could get unlucky, and then move in with your sword or hammer. Yeah. So I, th- I think the reason that people really don't like Mothula, at least I know this is true for me, it's extremely RNG heavy. It's there's no it's it's the antithesis of the blind fight, which is the exact same every time if you do your part. This one is always going to be completely different. There's no other way to do it other than to just be completely heads up about it. Have, have your head on a swivel. Make sure that you're looking for any spikes that are heading your way. Uh, Mothula has an, one attack, really, just one attack, where it will throw out three beams in sort of a trident in front of it, one slightly to the left, one to the middle, one slightly to the right. It'll always attack downward to the south. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're under it, try to stay sort of slightly to the left or slightly to the right so you avoid that, or just try to stay to the left or right or maybe even above, although it doesn't give you an opportunity to do that very often. But there's there's no other way except to just be on the move and, and just, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, and being above Mothula too can be very dangerous because she 
you know, she will move around and randomly, and she could very easily move up, knock you back, knock you into spikes, which knock you back into her, which knock you back into spikes, and you can very quickly become dead. So even though you could potentially get some really good hits on her if you're above her, it's a very risky strategy because that floor can shift the way it moves, the spikes can come out. Um, I honestly don't really recommend it because with all the randomness, you really can't guarantee that you can complete that safely. Mm-hmm. So just do your best in there. Know, you know, know what you're up against. One thing I will say is I would definitely recommend, especially if you're not super confident in your abilities here to have some sort of magic backup uh, because, you know, because of that torch room before Mothula magic is required to, you know, a pretty good amount of it uh, in order to even be able to attempt Mothula, not to mention that fire rod shots are going to be your friend here. Um, especially if you have you know, a weak sword like the Master Sword or, or Fighter Sword, God forbid. Um, so you're probably going to want to have maybe a green potion, ideally even better, a blue potion, or, uh, you know, hopefully you have half magic. Just some plan to where you know that if you die, you're not going to have to leave Skull Woods and come back later on in the race because you didn't have enough magic to do a second attempt. There is one thing you can check that will help you, um, but it's even that is kind of time-consuming is you really want a, a good plan for your magic before you get here. Yeah, and what, what other thought if you suddenly are almost dead and you still have some magic left, but you're getting very worried. If you've got the blue cane, you can pull that out. It only does 2 HP of damage, so it's not really a way I would recommend trying to kill Mothula, but it will give you that safety shield and maybe can give you enough to put you over the top. The red cane also does 2 damage, but... If you're using the red cane on Mothula instead of the fire rod, I have no <laughs> idea what you're doing. And you what are should, you doing? Yeah, what yeah, are you doing you're, here? <laughs> you're maybe yeah. playing some like weird animizer, yeah. random like thing. I have no idea what you why you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know you. I think uh, I think the one general, you know, um, kind of advice that I can give for Mothula is. I know it's very hard with all the crap going on around you, you know, Mafia firing random beams around, the spikes, the moving floors and everything. But I think the most important thing is to be patient. Mm. Because I see a lot of people, you know, you drop in and then at first the fight's kind of still on rails, but it quickly derails once the spikes start moving and the floor kind of does whatever it wants. And then people start panicking and just, you know rapid firing their fire rods into Mothula, hoping that at least one or two of the shots will, uh, you know, actually connect and then yeah. uh, trying to slash the sword, the sword like crazy and stuff like that. So just take it slow, be patient, try to dodge some spikes, you know, don't necessarily try for the risky hit. Maybe you wait a little longer, dodge another spike, something like that. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, d- dying on Mothula can be, it's, you know, if demoralizing. I'm, it's very demoralizing. Uh, it's probably not as demoralizing as dying on Cold Stare uh, or dying on Trinex, but uh, it's, I think, easily the third worst boss to die on because of the need for magic to get back in and that you most likely, if you're dying on Mothula, don't have any more magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, let's say that we did it. We, we were able to kill Mothula. Uh, and it's going to warp you back to the front of the back of Skull Woods. So remember, if we're doing a full clear and you opted not to get that chest that's in the back before, just walk right back in and get it. Also, if you didn't check ped before and you have an opportunity, make sure you do that. 
once all of that is taken care of, we'll be done with the back of Skull Woods, and now we're going to traverse back to the middle of Skull Woods. Number one, just to be able to get out of here, but number two, because there is one item in there. So you're going to backtrack a little bit. I would recommend uh, trying to get a little bank shot off of this bumper as you walk in to the middle. That's what I like to do. Um, probably not as useful in the next room to try to do that, but sometimes I still try anyway because I just get bored right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll come into the room that I was talking about earlier with the Gibdos, and there's two blue jellyfish here, and one of those buttons that only works when something is on it. Uh, so if you have the red cane, you can just go to this skull that's uh, sitting there, pick it up, toss it, and then put a red cane, or sorry, you have to walk to the door, then turn backwards and put the block down that way since the door is on the opposite side of you. So you can just do that. If you don't have the red cane, unfortunately, you're going to have to do this the long and hard way, which is to uh, grab the statue on the right, uh, preferably push it if you can, because that's faster, as we talked about before, uh, and you want to get it over to where it's in the center of the room, and then you need to pull it uh, back so that it is on top of the button so you can walk into the door that that opened. Uh, as you can imagine by how long it took me to say that, it is pretty time-consuming to do, uh, but if you have to do it, you have to do it. So um, that's going to take you up to a room with some various enemies just kind of wandering around. Um, another one of those bunny beams and the big key chest. Um, so this is another item location. So check that. Um, also of note, uh, speaking of fighting Mothula from before, there is a crack in the wall over to the right. If you bomb that and go in and pick up the skull that's in there, there is a full magic refill. So if you died to Mothula, you might want to elect to go back and grab this and then go back for another try. It's not super fast, but it's a lot faster than, you know, totally leaving Skull Woods and coming back for the same reason. There is a full magic refill most of the time. Right. So there's something <laughs> weird. Yeah. This one's, again, Skull Woods is weird. This one is weird. There's something about, and correct me if I'm wrong, Herf, the, like the amount of sprites in the two rooms before it that overloads the sprite count and sometimes despawns this magic, something like that? Yeah, essentially all these rooms are together on a super tile. And uh, if you, say, pick up the skull in the room before or have a wall master come down at a bad time or even worse, what almost kind of guarantees it is splitting up the red jelly in the room before into two small little jellies, you'll... Uh, end up with a sprite overload and after you you know pick up the pot you look there and uh -oh, sadly sadly and suddenly you have uh, absolutely nothing under that pot instead of the full magic refill that you were expecting and uh i think the only way to really make it respawn is to mirror out or leave the dungeon through the entrance and then come back in and try again and uh, that's obviously not something you want to have happen no not at all. So, yeah. Um, normally, you know, if you go through the dungeon, if you go through the back of Skullwoods and then fail and then come back and go try to get this, I don't think enough sprites have loaded for it to disappear. But if you try to do that again, then it's usually not there again, which has actually led. I've heard some people say, oh, the magic doesn't respawn. But that's there's actually more going on than that. Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with the sprite load. And I think that's just kind of what happens to people is they can only pick it up once before that happens to them again. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Okay, so, uh, but handle that, and that'll basically be everything you needed in the middle of Skull Woods. So now we'll go back and handle the front. And again, if you weren't, if you were just doing a dip, this is basically the part where you jump in and the part that applies to you. Um, so let's let's talk about how to do the front of Skull Woods now. Yeah, so there's two th- prevailing theories on how to do the front of Skull Woods, and I'm going to walk you through each and tell you about the pros and cons of each decision. First way is you go in through what is the only vis- you know typical looking entrance and that's the kind of skull with its mouth open in between you know whenever we were walking through and we did that semicircle around you'll you'll pass by it and that's one way you can do it is that where you that's where you go in the other way is you go into the hole to the southwest of that skull and i'll talk a little bit now about why you might want to do either way so if you go in through this skull here uh you can definitely get one chest very quickly guaranteed and there is a chance that you actually will be able to get a small key out of that and get all the other chests that you need to check very quickly Um, but if you don't get that small key you won't be able to check them if you go through the hole that's in the southwest uh, from there you definitely will be able to check everything it just won't be as fast necessarily so if you all right, so let's talk about how you would actually execute each of these. You go in through the front. Uh, you'll come in to the entrance where you've got the big chest and some mini moldorms hanging out and a red jelly. You go to the right. There's a room with some beetles and some uh, holes. You can actually walk diagonally between two of the holes and get up to that chest that in vanilla has the map. You open that up. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, that has a small key. And if it does have a small key, you can continue on. Otherwise, you will need to go back and do what we're going to talk about next. But if it has a small key, you do not want to open the door in that room to the south. Do not do that. No, no, go away. No. You never want to walk through that <laughs> nothing, room. Nothing good. Nope. Um, instead, you will go back to the entrance, whether you want to use a mirror or walk, uh, and you'll open the door to the left that's locked. In here, you've got a whole bunch of like columns that have, it's kind of, I think they call it the uh, prison room, because uh, the pot prison, all the enemies are imprisoned pot by prison. pots. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's the name the, of this item location, too, is that it's called the pot prison chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go, and you'll free the Gibdo on the very left. Uh, be careful, because there can be a Wallmaster that spawns here. You'll either kill him or do a dance with him so you can get up to the chest, open that up, and... Uh, continue onwards down south where you've got a room that uh, has got a chest just sitting in the open when you open that chest it's going to spawn a whole bunch of holes and uh, if you time it right you can actually get the beetles to fall in the holes which is pretty cool but <laughs> yeah. uh, if you've done all that and uh, you've gotten two items great uh, you're done you don't need to do anything else if one of those items was a big key though you gotta go all the way back to the where you started and either mirror or walk and now you can do a bomb jump across to open up that big chest uh, i it actually doesn't matter if you line it up on the left or the right i would recommend lining it up wherever there are not mini moldorms on the other side because they could hit you and knock you back into the hole but line up that bomb jump uh, jump across open the chest and now you either have got two items and you're done or well actually if you started at the back you guarantee yeah. have gotten two items now because <laughs> you've checked everything if you yeah, this, are this would be the last one yeah yeah if instead you're coming here to do a dip um hopefully you got both the items if not uh well <laughs> tough luck 
Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to talk through going down through the hole next, but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about going in through the front door. No, actually, the the way that I normally do is I drop down the hole. So everything you just said was sort of new new knowledge and information for me. Um, I can definitely see why you why you'd want to do it that way, especially if the keys align the way that they do. Um, and it avoids ever really having to worry about the pinball room, which is not a luxury you're afforded when you drop down like I usually do. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I like that. I might try that next time. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it feels like a riskier strategy, but I like it because if there's an item in that first chest, maybe that item, you know, if you pick up, you know, thinking about just the, the logic behind this, if you're I'm thinking about doing this as a dip and not doing this as a full clear, but if you're dipping into Skull Woods and you open up that first chest and it's an item, it's very likely that that might be the only item that's easily accessible just because of you know how the chests are lined up and maybe that's all you do for your dip you get that one item and you leave if Mm. that's a small key you know that you'll be able to clear out the entire front uh and it doesn't take that much longer to go do this than if you go do the going through the hole that i'm going to talk about and well now Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so let's say you know let's say you don't like this you know you want to play it safe or you did it and all that was in there was the map which is very sad you're going to go in through the hole now. So again, just as a reminder, this is the hole to the southwest. Do not, do not, do not go in the hole to the southeast of the skull entrance. Don't do that. Please don't do what that. Is, where does that even take you? Pinball room. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, don't do that. Um, which, funny funny little anecdote, side story. I did play a uh, an entrance rando one, or a key sanity once, where... I think this was on V29, and they have since, I think, fixed the bug. But there was an actual... Normally, the pinball room always has a key, because otherwise you are locked in there forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this version of Key Sanity I was playing, there was not a key in there, and there was, in fact, a progression item. Ooh. And I didn't check it until Yikes. the very, very end, and was like, what the hell? But uh, <laughs> I think that was something that was a, a bug in Key Sanity that they've since uh, since corrected. Yeah, because normally this this pinball room, it's it's one of those spend a key to get a key rooms. Um, yeah, you know it has. Yeah. You have to have a key to get out, and there's a chest in here, so that is a key one hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, so we'll talk about pinball room in a, a little bit more detail in a minute. So you'll not go into the southeast hole. You're going through the southwest because you are a smart, wonderful, awesome person like us, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you go in through the south, and boom, you're in there, and there's a whole bunch of jellies and some beetles and a bumper. Whoa. And they're all coming for you right away. Do not panic. Uh, you want to very carefully move your way around. I actually have a couple times taken the coward's way out and used a cape here, but that's okay. You just don't want to have the beetles kind of knock you off or run into the bumper or the fire rod. But just make your way down south and then go yeah. through the door to the right. I have seen people get wrecked in that room like <laughs> oh, yeah. so many times. Like I, it's, Something about that bumper right there and all the holes and these beetles are like football players coming at you like... It is easy to fall down three or four times in a row. Mm-hmm. It's it's happened to me, and I've watched it happen. And it's, it, yeah, this it, room could be tough, so work out your choreography. There is no shame in taking a couple seconds to kill some beetles than trying to yeah. do the, you know, pro strat of just dodging your way around like Neo in the Matrix. But I, <laughs> yeah. but I will say, if you do 
make it down fast enough, you can avoid that fire bar that's at the bottom and not have to wait another cycle for it to go. So there is something to be said for, for making a beeline and successfully evading all of these hard hat beetles. Yeah. But if you, if you're, you know, feeling a little uncomfortable about it, or you've tried once and gotten knocked down, just take a second to kill them or Mm -hmm. keep by them or whatever, you know, don't, don't make your life any harder than it has to be. Um, okay, so now you're going to the right, and this room is the room that I talked about earlier, where when you open the chest, a whole bunch of holes will spawn. But uh, there's something clever you can do. If you move very, very quickly up to that chest, uh, and you maybe wait half a second until the beetles are just to the kind of northwest of the fire bar, and open the chest right then, they will both drop through the hole and make your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, this is a small key. Um, if it's not so vanilla compass chest, yeah, by vanilla, the way. Compass. vanilla compass. Yep. Um, hopefully this is a small key. If not, you'll move to the, well, whether it is or not, you're going to move to the north anyway mm-hmm. to the pot prison and open up the pot prison the way we talked earlier. Now you've opened two chests. I really hope one of them was a small key because <laughs> if one of them is a small key, you can exit through pot prison and you're back at the front door and you know you, we kind of already talked through how to do those yeah. areas. Mm-hmm. If they aren't. Uh, you, unfortunately, are going to have to go back to the compass chest room and go out through the entrance on the east. And the reason for this is that you're going to have to do this is because there is no other way to get out. Uh, if you try to mirror out, it's just going to take you right back to the room with the jellies and the bumper and the beetle. You can't get through the locked door in pot prison. Uh, so in fact, you are trapped here until you go through the room to the east, which is uh, the uh, pin, what they call the pinball room, and this is pinball room because you've got four bumpers and a whole crap load of gibdos, and the gibdos love nothing more than running into the bumpers over and over again, and it makes it kind of like a game of pinball. <laughs> but you'll, uh, you'll you'll come in and you'll see that there is a chest with uh, three skull pots in front of it, um, as well as two gibdos. Be very careful here with grabbing these pots and grabbing the chest because there is a wall master lurking on the wall and uh if he sees you and grabs you when you're grabbing the uh going for the chest you go all the way back to the very start where you came in with uh, the bumper and the uh, beetles so don't do that just uh try to bait out the wall master or move very quickly but uh, you can do that and then uh what i actually do <clears throat> typically to avoid uh, the bumper there and the gibdo is I just pick up the pot all the way on the bottom right on the way up to the door and just kind of mm-hmm. use pick that up, throw it at the gibdo to knock it back, and then just walk up to the north to go through that locked door. And you're now in the room that in vanilla mode has the map and uh, everything now we've we've gone through. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're overlapped again. Yeah. It takes you back to the room with the map chest and... Also, I guess to note, uh, one other thing we didn't say, if you are not comfortable with your bomb jumps yet, or, you know, say you can only line them up with the boots, but you, you know, you don't have the boots yet or whatever, you can still do this area. Um, you know, you can do it the vanilla way and go through the back entrance and you bomb through the left side of the wall, um, by the room with all of the, there's like a circle of skulls there. Um, you bomb through there and then you uh, can walk down. You can just completely walk around those pits right there. Pull the lever, it explodes the wall below you, and then that takes you to the big chest too. So if, say, you're out of bombs or you have low health or, you know, whatever the case may be, you, you can do that the, the slow way. But 
sort of anticlimactic, but that's that's the end of the walkthrough uh, because we've we've now checked everything. If you went back first, so um, any other thoughts about Skull Woods? Um, no, I think we cover pretty much everything. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed yeah, it's it. uh, it's an interesting Dark World dungeon. It's uh, it's very unique. I don't think there's anything else quite like it, where it's so split up. Um, it's a really interesting concept. I don't know that it's my favorite Dark World dungeon, but I don't hate it because I just think the concept of it is pretty neat. I guess I have one more thing, um, and I alluded to this at the very beginning of this walkthrough. I kind of mentioned there's two things that will determine whether or not I go to Skull Woods as a dip right away or you know, whether I come back later. And one was the items, of course. That's kind of you know a given. The other one is how confident I am that I can kill Mothula that early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, say, say, you know, typical seed, if everything goes according to plan, you get dark world access 15, 20 minutes in, you know, uh, you've been mostly doing light world or only doing light world checks. Now you get your dark world access in Kakariko. Let's say you were lucky enough to find the fire rod, but you have like fighter sword and I don't know, like six hearts and green mail. Mm-hmm. You got to be honest with yourself. Are you going to be able to kill Mothula with that equipment? Uh, a lot of times for me, the answer is no. And and I've learned to accept that. I don't just go up uh, a few times, you know, for a little while. I was like, it was like, oh, oh, I can kill Mothula. And I just got Dark World access and I'm here. I'm closer than I've ever been. I'm just going to go kill Mothula. And I would I would get my butt handed to me because I'm not I wasn't good enough to be killing Mothula with a fighter sword and a hammer and green mail and six hearts or whatever, you know, so mm-hmm. no, no half magic, no bottles, you know, no no magic powder like no safeties so i think that's the other thing that i wanted to just say is like you know know yourself and know whether or not you're going to be able to realistically do this because it's always going to be slower to come fail and leave and then come back than it is to just do it in one fell sloop if you come back later and you have more equipment yeah for sure yeah all right well on that note let's call it done all right all right Okay, so guys, I'm I'm a little upset actually. I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm sort of bummed out because uh, it was brought to my attention that um, in a Discord that I'm in, um, I noticed there were some people talking about this podcast. There was actually a person named Roflex talking about this podcast, and that person said, "I have a question for the podcast people." This is on November twenty first, by the way. Why isn't the mailbag segment called Fetch Questions? And I'm <laughs> I'm just. I'm bummed because that's been in the world. That's been out in the world for almost an entire month and we didn't know about it. And that is upsetting to me because fetch questions is so freaking perfect of a name for this segment. (laughs) I'm mad that it existed and we didn't know about it. So we're fixing that as soon as we possibly could. This is now officially the fetch questions segment. Uh, So with that said, let's begin. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Kern, um, who has written into us a couple times before, uh, submitted an email. We didn't get a chance to read it before the recording of the last episode. Now we've had a chance to look through it. Um, Axe, what did you think of uh, what Kern had to say? Yeah, no, Kern had an excellent point. And uh, I don't know if you want to quote the whole thing, but I will give a quick summary. Kern's point is, you know, we were talking on the bonus episode and I was giving the quiz about, you know, stuff that I, I got from the item generation stats or the seed generation stats, you know, oh, you know, so in, so often you have, you know, this item here, or this this check is useless, or whatnot. Those are all straight probabilities. 
And for those who are not statisticians uh, like me, uh, what that means, straight probability is just, you know, if you flip a coin, you know, 10 times, you'll get five heads, five tails on average. And that's kind of the, you know, your expected probability of heads is 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, what Kern is saying, though, is, and this is correct, the way we should be thinking about randomizer is not as a straight probability, but rather as a conditional probability and uh i don't know how familiar you guys with conditional probability and bayes theorem and all that stuff i mean i can sort of piece together what you're getting at just based on context clues of what the word conditional means (laughs) but that's about it really yeah so conditional probability is you want to consider the probability of event an event given that you already have some that some information and randomizer is a really great application of bayes theorem and conditional probability and if any folks out there are you know probability and statistics teachers or they want to teach people about how conditional probability differs from conventional probability i think randomizer is a great teaching tool and uh if you have any want to know kind of any examples or things about how to do that feel free to shoot me a message i will try to help you with that because i love teaching people stuff about math so conditional yeah. probability is uh you know, in this this example, let's say you're doing 10 coin flips again, and you want to know what the probability of five heads is. And again, you know, we'd expect probability of five heads, or, or you know, exactly half heads is about 50%. What conditional probability says is, okay, what is that probability given, let's say that we already know six head, six coin flips have been tails. Well, if six of the 10 have already been tails, we know it's impossible to get to five heads, so the probability of five heads is zero. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a trivial example, and I'm just thinking it up on the fly. Um, where it comes in more effect with randomizer is, let's talk about, for example, uh, left side swamp. And this was Kern's example, and I talked about it a bunch, that, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you know, left side swamp only has progression a tenth of the time. Well, Kern pointed out, and I agree, that... That's counting cases where you never even in the seed go into swamp, where the flippers are in, uh, you know, Gannett's Tower, uh, cases, tons of cases like that. And really, mm. when we're talking about randomizer, if we're not even going to Swamp Palace, why do we care about the odds of that? We care about, okay, Swamp Palace is a potential play right now. Given that, how often should I be checking left side? And that's really the key. And these are you know, much more difficult to ca- calculate, so I don't really have them off the top of my head or calculated anywhere. But Kern's, what Kern is getting at is that the probability that left side has progression is much higher than one-tenth of the time because you have to throw out all those times where you never even go to Swamp because mm. you don't have the flippers or you, know, you, you don't have the hammer or things, yeah. things like that. Yeah, that I mean that makes that makes perfect sense. And that's how we all play too. You know, like you're not thinking, you know, usually, oh, the overall statistic of something being here is this. You're thinking like, oh, well I only have four or five places to go. What are the chances that this is the place I needed it to be, you know, that the item is there. So that that makes perfect sense to me. I guess the, my question, my follow-up question would be, you know, how do we go about trying to apply more of that information and that wisdom to our own routing decisions and races you know yeah so there's a there's a great document 
that was made by uh, Fentalis that's called How to Read the Logic. And I don't know if either of you had a chance to read it, but or any of our listeners out there, if you've had a chance to read it, but um, we'll throw a link in the description. This is something that I think every randomizer player should read and get a sense of, you know, what Fentalis is talking about, about reading the logic, because that can help you make these really tough calls and and it's why there's some odd things that show up like why does pendant meyer seem to always have a progression item like that you know that just seems really weird and why does that happen or you know why do things you know why do why is checking turtle rock over ice rod cave a better play most of the time uh, and, and it'll just kind of walk you through the way that the randomizer randomizer itself goes through and fills in items it'll teach you about whether things are seated quote early or quote late in the logic and what that means for a potential route it's just it's a really good teaching tool and i still really suck at reading the logic i know there are some runners out there who are big big logic readers and uh, will really stress that that is why they play the way they do Mm -hmm. i'm not quite there yet i'm not very good at thinking on the fly as i'm playing about this sort of it's more a, a thing i can think about later on or if i'm doing a simulator run but uh it's it's just really a good skill to kind of add to your repertoire in addition to general routing knowledge like oh okay if i'm gonna go do um you know uh skull or not skullwoods um uh meyer i can do desert at the same time something like that but uh it can it can give you a competitive edge if you've uh, you've done your homework and you combine it with all your other knowledge. Yeah. So um, Kern actually included a link to the how to read the logic uh, document in their email over to us, and I think we'll probably just do what we did last time since that worked well. And I'll go ahead and copy this, and we'll put it in a paste bin and, and let you know put a link in the description, and let people read not just mm-hmm. what Kern had to say, but also that how to read the logic document. I have read it; it's been a little while. I probably could stand to read it again, but I remember it being very enlightening and, and really kind of changed the way that I think about you know how the items are randomized because it, it sort of further explains that whole process. You know what's happening every time you generate a seed, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll include a, a link to that. Um, now Kern also includes some questions. I know we talked about doing a couple of these before, but we're running a little long. So do you guys maybe want to pick one of these to go over? What do you think? Um, I mean, the answer to the two that I know, I think I know the answer to is relatively quickly explained. Uh, I think the reading of the question will probably take longer than my answer, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so full disclosure, yeah. yeah I, no, I shared these with the guys beforehand just because some of them, you know, they're puzzlers and I wanted to make sure they were things that we at least, you know, could could comprehend and, and work through. Like, for instance, the fourth one is like this, like, key sanity inverted, like, I, I couldn't even begin to, you know, try to figure that out. So, um, yeah, let's, let's do the, which one do you want to do in that case then? Uh, I'll do the, the one. first one. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. So I will read this one and uh, we'll talk through it. And the answers are separate than the questions. So I don't actually know the answers. So I, I might participate. Um, okay. 
You are go-moding Ice Palace and you aren't opening any chests on the way to the boss. You're mentally preparing yourself for a tough Master Sword Cold Stair fight and you're focusing on trying to re uh, retain full health throughout the dungeon to give yourself the best fighting chance. But you're so focused on this task that right as you reach the final room before the boss, you realize you don't have enough magic for the fight. This editorializing, this has definitely happened to me. You do not have Bombos or Half Magic, and you have no magic potions and no small key to go to the refill room to the northeast of this final room. You know that Phase 1 of Cold Stare requires 8 Fire Rod shots, but with half of your magic bar, after picking up the two small magic jars in this final room, you know that you can only do 4 Fire Rod shots. You are dreading the possibility of having to go back to farm for magic from enemy drops, which may or may not even be in the drop hole. However, instead of panicking, you stop to think for a couple of seconds and come up with a solution. And despite your current situation, you drop down into the cold stair fight with only half of your magic bar remaining and you successfully defeat cold stair. How is this possible? So the answer to this is, uh, I'm assuming since at the, that, that was firstly, I want to say very well written, very nice, really put me in the situation there. Um, <laughs> I felt like I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, since uh, he emphasized the master sword fight and the retaining full health throughout the whole dungeon, uh, there's a little bit of a quirk in the engine that works like this. If you have sword beams... You can shoot a fire rod shot at the shell of uh, Cold Stair and immediately afterwards shoot a sword beam and your sword beam will count as a fire rod shot and damage the shell. So you need four fire rod shots, uh, each one immediately followed by one sword beam which will also count as four fire rod shots total and that oh. will destroy the shell and you will be able to kill Cold Stair. Also very useful oh. if you have uh, half magic or full magic and want to save on some magic. Whenever you're in the admittedly very seldom situation that you can fight cold stare with full hearts you can save four of your fire out shots by just shooting sword beams immediately after yeah pretty cool it, this i don't know if this is ever happening you guys it happens to me all the time where it's like you learn something and then like that comes up like immediately after you've learned it like mm -hmm. i saw i saw someone talk about this on a discord and then i read kern's email about it like a couple days later and it was like i literally just figured this out a couple days ago <laughs> yeah, so. it's like how if you hear a word for the first time you more are more likely to hear it again uh very soon after and it's because your brain is sort of primed to uh, think of it at least that i makes... think that's the explanation i've heard that makes mm -hmm. sense to me. But yeah, that so that happened with me. I would not have known this at all if I hadn't just happened to have read about it a couple days before. But it's really cool, and I, I definitely could see myself trying to utilize this in, or, in an effort to save fire rod shots, especially when you got the Master Sword on Cold Stare. That's no fun. Yeah, exactly. So, cool. Okay, well, um, let's maybe leave the, the other questions. We might come back and hit another one of these if we don't have a lot of mail one week. Um, or something like that but uh, let's let's get things wrapped up here want to thank everyone again for listening to another episode of go mode podcast uh, if you have an email you'd like to send or any comments you'd like to make you can send those to email at gomodepodcast.com um, honestly probably the easiest way to communicate though with us would be our discord so we'll put a link to join our discord in the description we have a lot of fun chatting with people about each episode after they come out um, sometimes even discussing ideas for new episodes and, and questions and things like that. Um, so we invite you to join our Discord. 
Um, let's see what else. Oh, thank you to Unikitty, a friend of the show Unikitty, for leaving us an iTunes review. Um, we really appreciate that. And we'd also like to ask that all of the rest of you, if you enjoy the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. That's really helpful for the, you know, how we come up in the, the rankings and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Axial, how can people find you? Play, play yeah. Randomizer. So the Discord is going to be the best uh, way to get in touch with me. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitch at SA underscore Axial. That is A-X-E-I-L. Um, I probably won't be playing any Randomizer for the rest of 2018 because Christmas vacation is coming up and I will be traveling around to see, uh, you know, my family and my uh, my girlfriend's family. But, uh, you know, 2019, I hopefully we back at it and you can all tune in and you know laugh along as i uh, model my way through a seed excellent yeah. hd well it's pretty much the same for me you can find me of course on our wonderful discord where i'm always happy to chat you guys up or answer questions whatever may come up or you can find me on twitch tv slash herfy uh i've been really slacking lately and uh, unlike Axial, I'll be sad and alone and at home during my Christmas break, so I'll probably be streaming more instead of less while I'm on break, where work and everything else isn't kicking my butt. Guys, please go hang out with her while he, while he, plays, <laughs> while he plays rando and, and yeah. does other, other games. Yes, also uh, please uh, subscribe to my Twitch channel and, you know, Patreon hey, all the podcast. other stuff. Yeah, you can say that if you want to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I also am on Twitch about once a week or so, twitch.tv slash temp underscore, playing some randomizer. Um, trying, you know, I guess, you know, I'm in this challenge cup, so so come cheer me on in, in that. I'll be scheduling some races here before too long, I would imagine. Um, and you can also, I forgot to mention, uh, follow us on Twitter at GoModePodcast. Pretty active there. I like to share, you know, pretty much anyone talking about randomizer. I'm... I'm probably gonna like it and might even retweet it and comment on it, comment on it and let other people see it. So, follow us on Twitter, um, Discord, email. Yeah, I think that's it. So, um, Santa Claus, why don't why don't you take us out of here today? Oh ho ho! Merry randomizer Christmas! I hope all you good little boys and girls are checking all of your pedestals because there might just be a present under there. Oh ho ho ho! ho. <laughs> all right, happy holidays, everybody! Time to mirror out. Mm-hmm.